Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today, we are joined by Emma from S6 Dog Training. Now, we sponsored Emma for a little while now. Um, she's very, very successful in agility, uh, has done very, very well. And uh, we really like the way she goes about running her business. So that's why we chose to sponsor Emma. Um, and yeah, it's working really, really well. She's got a lovely training business. Um, and we bring her in to talk about all things training from time to time. Um, anyone who knows us knows that although we know a huge amount about dog nutrition uh, and about how you feed your dog, we don't know a massive amount about training. We know little bits, but really we feel we need to bring in the experts when we're talking about stuff like that. Now you'll hear us having a very, very casual conversation. Uh, as you know, we've well, we've known each other for a long time now, um, and uh, we try and attempt to do a quick fire, but me and Emma will ramble on uh, as long as anybody. So uh, our quick fire isn't all that quick fire. Um, but she brings up some really interesting topics, and I think you're going to get a lot from this podcast. So without further ado, let's start the podcast. Okay, so we're joined on the podcast today by Emma from Essex Dog Training. Say hello. Hello. And this is your first podcast. It is, yeah. Excellent. And Emma can definitely come and going because I don't know whether you can see in the background because we're videoing at the same time. She's bought donuts. So Emma is welcome (laughs) anytime to come on the podcast. So tell everyone what you do, who you are. Okay, um, I'm a dog trainer. Um, I run Essex Dog Training. I've run Essex Dog Training for the last eight years. It started off very, very small. Um, I trained in Surrey with an outside dog trainer. Didn't want to train with anyone in this county. And it's grown to what it is today, which is almost my full-time job. I wouldn't say it's quite my full-time job, but it's almost my full-time job, my only job. I do puppy visits. I do behaviour visits. I run classes. I compete at a dog agility, train competitive dog agility, and I'm now developing the online side of the business as well. So I'm developing some online courses as well. Good. Pretty busy. So correct me if I'm wrong, and actually we should tell people we, we sponsor you. you do yes thank you yeah, thank okay. you Newlands Pets. <laughs> um so correct me if I'm wrong you were a teacher previously I worked in alternative education so okay. I wasn't a teacher as in you know um a university degree level teacher I've got my city and guilds in adult learning um I worked in alternative education I'm actually doing a little bit with their kids at the moment as mm. well I worked for um I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the colleges. So I worked for Prospects College and I worked for Circles Farm and I worked for kids that weren't in education and, yeah, worked on real real good stuff with them. And how much does that help? So if I think about our business and how we've helped people with with dog food for 10 years, Mm -hmm. pretty much to the day almost, a lot of when we're helping people with dog food is much more about helping the owner than it is the dog and I'm assuming with dog training that's even more yeah I think people skills is the biggest part of my job um so originally when I came out of school I worked in the city and I was in sales been in credit management and then telesales then direct sales then more credit management then I had the children and I was I used to ride horses, Mm. I became a horse riding instructor and everything that I've always done in my life has been about my communication skills. I think I've become a better listener because I I was um, kind of teaching has really come on in a way. So I I was um, 
very much I talk a lot. I do, I do talk, I know I talk a lot. I talk a lot anyway, but I've become a better listener and absorber of information because I think that's a massive part of teaching. And certainly on the dog training side, every single dog ownership is a separate partnership. So you cannot trained by the book mm. all the time. I, you know, I always say that if I work with a, a family and I don't learn something from them, then I'm not a good teacher and I'm not doing a good job. So, yeah, yeah I don't I don't train, to be fair, that many dogs. Mm. But I'm not going to get that much work if I call myself a people trainer. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what you train them to do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's helped me massively. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think my empathy in people's situations, so coming from alternative education, um, I some of the stories that, that I've heard about and that I've worked with, you know, you couldn't repeat on air and, and they're quite tragic. So I kind of have a great empathy in people and in people certainly in difficult situations. And lots of people get dogs when they're in an emotional state. Mm. And of course, you know, we all know that dogs don't cope well with emotional states. So kind of seeing them through that as well. And, yeah. and very often I'll work with a family with a dog and it actually turns out that I'm working through a grieving process with them as well so yeah, yeah and it's dogs definitely uh, i did an interview with with someone who has therapy dogs mm-hmm. um, yeah runs a, a charity that has loads and loads of therapy dogs so they're yeah. obviously very good for that they are but i'm assuming there needs an element of training in the background yeah and this is a, a one thing that people really do forget is that good dogs aren't born mm. good dogs are trained you know and, and a lot of work goes in and dogs have to learn how to cope with certain stresses certain emotions certain certain things and and, you know lots of people pet dogs you know lots of people it's their babies to them Mm. whereas you know when a dog is brought into a working environment they're they're brought up a lot differently you know so yeah yeah yeah. and we see you say they're they're babies we see that a huge amount we see it with particularly we see in lots and lots of things but you see uh there's a massive epidemic with obese dogs we see it with dogs that go fussy because they're over treated because they assume like giving a digestive every time they don't look particularly happy exactly that happens from a training point of view as well yeah lots yeah and and it's you know it's a really difficult situation because i am very sensitive to people Mm. um, and i would hate it if i ever upset somebody funny enough one of my my greatest friends now that does my admin work candy she you know she she told me that i made her cry in the first Mm. month that i met her and i was absolutely mortified because i I would never have that intention but yeah and i think it's the same with children you know you you spoil Mm. we can spoil children we can spoil dogs um the common thing we've had this conversation before but the common thing is purpose-bred crossbreeds and generally these guys have been you know they're bred to be brought up in a stable Mm. you know they're bred to go out and hunt you know because of the we can't go fox hunting anymore you know so jack russells are now i mean i love jack russells my dogs are jack russell crosses but you know they don't necessarily always make good pets you know and and some of the and i think it is changing i do think that i am seeing more what i would call better family pet choices Mm than you know the working dog crosses so if i go back 10 years ago when i was completely naive to the to the dog world entirely Mm -hmm. yeah 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 um i wouldn't necessarily i would have seen dog trainers as i go to a dog trainer at the point of i've got an issue Mm -hmm. you've written a, a book about 
puppies, yeah, um, which helps people with the the early stages uh-huh. of that. I'm assuming that idea came from the fact that people just think exactly like I used to think is yeah, that you go I, to a dog trainer when there's an issue. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting. I had this conversation. I can't remember who I was talking to. Probably another trainer that years ago when my when I was living with my mum, dogs roam the street. Mm. Yeah, aggressive dog. You stay away from it. It's got a bone. Don't go anywhere near it. And it was really accepted. And I, I do accept that things have changed and time moves on and, and often for the better. And, and, you know, we don't want the postman's being bit and all the mm. rest of it. However, it's, it's breeding a big fear in people. People are very scared of having aggressive dogs. Mm. And I see it all the time in class. So I think what I like to try and do now, I used to get, and again, training world's changing. So I used to get people into class quite early on with their puppies. What I've found is that that is not the best thing for a pup. And it's also not the best thing for training a pup. So generally, I like now to go and do a home visit. Yeah. Um, I'd love to do pre-pup home visits, um, which I don't, in my opinion, do enough of. So this is before they get before the dog. Before they get a dog. You know, so one of my first questions is, how many hours a week have you got? Have you got a spare 10 hours a week? Mm. Have you got a spare 14 hours a week? Because if you haven't, you should probably be going to Toys R Us and getting a teddy, yeah. you know, or a goldfish or a cat or do, or do other things. Um, and then very often we talk about breeds and, and like you say, I think people come into class quite early on so I'll do my home visit and then I get them into class however people that don't train their dog there's I think social media does it that there's a lot of pressure on people getting it right Mm. so people think I've got a dog it's easy I'm gonna get it right um and generally those people that haven't trained in class I get the dog when there's a problem Right. You know, because people don't, you know, if, if your dog's quite happy and cute yeah. and if you haven't got a problem, you don't they don't need to fix it. So. I suppose it's no different to driving your car around until it breaks down. Yeah. Uh, yeah rather than maybe definitely. getting but, it serviced. Yeah, but I also think that, that there's a pressure on people that it's really hard to admit you need help mm. in, yeah. in anything, isn't it? You know, definitely. actually, I need help. Yeah. You know, and everyone thinks that, that they then feel stupid and then, mm. you know, so very often now... Um, and this may surprise some people, um, if I go and do a home visit and I can see that the relationship has broken down, I will very often put a time limit. What I don't understand is, so you're going in and you can tell whether a dog hasn't got a very good relationship. No, when the relationship has broken down. So generally, when people contact me, first of all, you know, people are desperate. People are desperate. And it's really hard for people to take ownership of a problem. So it's always the dog's fault. And that's what I mean by saying that the relationship has broke down and, and, you know, it's a dog does this and a dog does that and a dog does this. So um, I've actually worked with a lady um, who is a vet nurse in one one of the vets in Benfleet. And she, and she, I know she won't mind me talking about it when, She'd rescued a dog and she'd recently lost her other dog. She openly admits that she got that dog too early. She was still grieving for the other one, which so very often happens. And then, of course, you compare without actually realising it. You want that dog to be the replacement. Mm. Um, So what I generally do now when people say to me, we've even considered rehoming the dog, I generally put a time limit on that for them. And the sense of relief that that gives people 
is in a lot of cases a medicine in itself. You yeah. know, so I sat there with this lady. She'd actually been bitten by this dog. Um, it was an imported dog from the streets mm-hmm. in Spain. Um, that's a whole nother story. You know, the, these dogs are quite difficult to train. I wouldn't say, in fact, yeah, I would even go so far as to say that some of them are totally untrainable. They've lived on the streets for five years, but we're going off talk a bit there. Yeah. Um, so I said to her, um, it was about this time of the year that I went around there. Um, and I said to her, right, okay, how long are we going to give this? Um, and we put a six month time limit on it. Mm. Um, and I generally believe that we can't go below the six months because it's not fair on the dog. Yeah. But in some cases, the dog is better off out of that environment because it could just be that it's not suited to that environment. Yeah, cool. um, lovely. This, this It's been really, I get, I get really emotional, but it's been really lovely to see this rescue dog who was very, very shut down. Mm. You know, I had nothing. It would, it would come and take a piece of ham from me, but it certainly wasn't going to do anything for me. Um, it had bitten her. It had threatened some of the family. They were never told this by the rescue, and she felt that she owed the dog something. Yeah. Um, so we put the six months on it. We worked at home first. I got her working through my bronze course, which at the time wasn't online. But because I wasn't sure whether the dog was suitable for classes, I didn't want to put the dog in that situation. Mm. So she worked through that over an eight, ten week period. Then we got it into class. We're still, so she's now, she was doing a bit of agility. She's doing a bit of tricks and it's become a proper clown in the class. <laughs> and it really shows off and it, flirts with all the other dogs and and it's a really lovely yeah. story and she will always say to me that because I went round there and said to her it's okay we can rehome this dog let's put a time frame on it that it actually gave her a breath of fresh air yeah. and you could see the release so I very often now if the relationship's broken down and generally I wouldn't say all the time you know I'm, I am doing a lot of puppy visits now but generally behavior visits if the relationship's broken down just by showing somebody we can do this. You know, people, I think the worst thing that people can do is put it on social media, right. you know, that they're struggling because then before you know it, they'll have 300 comments on there. Absolutely. <laughs> saying that they're the worst people in the world because they've let the dog down. Yeah. You know, but, but there are cases where the dog is better off out of that environment. So that's an example of, so you put time in on it. Mm-hmm. That, I can understand. I can see how that works because mm-hmm. uh, that works fantastic for, mm-hmm. for any goal, yes, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, But I still don't understand. You walk through the door. So you come into my... So you <laughs> They're open... beating the dog up with a stick and a pig. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Everyone's going to wonder why there's a pig there now. How um, do I know? Because I read people. So you open the door <laughs> and they say, hello, Emma, thank you for coming around, etc., etc." And I'm assuming they introduce you to the dog. Yes. How quickly does this happen? You you immediately know? I mean, I'm not sorry. I, I, people I'm not, are going to think. Right, I'm, no, I know. I know. I, I know what you're getting at. Um, I'm not a judgmental person. Okay. Yeah. But no, no, no. I'm not getting no, at that. No, no, I don't no. want to insinuate yeah. that you're psychic or anything like that, Eva. <laughs> I'm just trying to gauge how how because you as a dog I read, trainer. No, right. I don't think that it's the dog trainer part of me mm. that does that. Right. I think it's the fact that I have so much experience in people okay. that I know how to read between the lines. And that, mm. that's not being big-headed, you know, but if someone says, oh, we've tried everything and the dog still mm. does this, those people are not taking mm. ownership. So it's the yeah. dog's fault. So lightly speaking, the relationship's not there. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And lots of people get dogs... 
and don't want them six months down the line because mm. it's harder than they thought. There wouldn't be so many rescue dogs if that wasn't the case. No, I, and I always, you know, I try and empathise with my clients in the fact that in my very early dog experience and as a young family owner, I actually took on two dogs. I came out of horses. Mm. Um, I took on a terrier from the vets because, oh, it was really cute and I wanted mm-hmm. to do the right thing and everybody wants to rescue. Um, I had guinea pigs in my garden. This, this dog was lovely. Um, I, was, you know, I was doing everything wrong. and mm. it, But the kids used to, it used to take them up to bed and all, all that sort of thing. Anyway, I had guinea pigs in my garden and I put the guinea pigs at night. They used to run in a little run. In the Is garden. this going to be a horrible story? No, okay. no, it's not going to be a horrible story because the guinea pigs went away. Um, okay. The little dog that we'd had for about a month jumped into the empty run guinea mm-hmm. pigs weren't in there um i popped my arm in just just to spare of the moment come on out you get you know and it bit me yeah. up my arm that dog had to be rehomed instantly i took it back i'd got it from a vet's um and it went back instantly because i've got young mm. children yeah. and i can't have a, i couldn't have a dog that bit and it, it did draw blood around my children i just mm-hmm. wouldn't risk it um and there was and then just after that i wanted to rescue another dog and i rescued a breeding spaniel Um, And it's separation anxiety was so bad that if I went out even for five or ten minutes, it would have the runs and it would tread it everywhere, flick it up the wall, make Mm. its mouth bleed by banging it up against the wall. And and it was, yeah, it was massively severe. And I'm also, I'm going back 12, 13 years. I didn't have the knowledge then that I did to have now. So um, I actually found that a beautiful little home Mm. um, where the guy... And it was it was a couple on Canby. Um, they had they weren't allowed. They couldn't have children, so they had four or five spaniels. Those spaniels were with them all the time. They had dog flaps. They used to go to work with them. That dog was really happy. So I use that story a lot for people mm. because yeah, people put a, a big amount of pressure on themselves that we should all be perfect. Yeah, yeah. You know, Definitely. and and just if just by 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 being a real person, I'm a real person to people. I, I very often you know talk about myself but yeah no I've had a lot of things that people can you know I'm real and and I don't mind telling people I'm real and and I've made mistakes and I learn and and actually you know we were just talking about it there's a group we've got a group of trainers we are not walking encyclopedias yeah you know and we bounce ideas off of each other and and I'll work with with other trainers if if we respect each other's um training methods and um that we all say respect each other's business integrity mm. and, and respect each other. So, you know, I think that's really good. And I, and I think that's why I think it's that skill of mine that makes me a good trainer. And also the fact that I've been with animals all my life. So I came from horses originally. Mm. I've owned my own horses. I've owned my own dogs. Mum used to um, train guide dogs um, oh, right. for, eight, you know, you, you foster them for 18 months. Uh-huh. You did all that yeah. training. So she had six retrievers. So I kind of... <laughs> I probably prefer to be brands animals more than I do people. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I'm good at reading animals and, yeah. I, and I think that's something that you can't you can't learn from a book. You yeah. cannot learn how to read an animal and how to learn people from a book. It's just through life experiences, really. Yeah, quite. Okay. So you've now started doing online courses. I have, yes. And controversially. <laughs> con- why do you say controversial? Well, controversially in old school training. So right. um Lots of old school trainers who I respect very, very much said mm. that you, you shouldn't be. And and I've got a friend who who trains, you know, quite different methods to me. Um, said to me that how can you have online training courses? Um, 
So the reason I wanted to develop, and I've developed my bronze one first, yeah. and it follows the lines of my eight-week training course that I do in class. Um, and it's several reasons. Firstly, I work with a lot of dogs that are not suitable for class. Right. Um, for, for protection of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? So and the owners, to be fair. So if we work with reactive dogs that tend to bark a lot around other mm. dogs, it's not going to help anybody by yeah. putting that in a class. Whereas I, you know, I was trained initially that that's where they should be, but actually it's much more stressful for the dog and the owner, and you don't achieve anything, and the yeah. class ends up getting out of control. So so it's for those types of dogs. Mm-hmm. Um and also um in this day and age, mental health is really, really recognised. Mm. So I was approached by, by a number of people that couldn't attend classes for their own social reasons. Right, okay. Um, and work commitments. And, you know, I can only, <laughs> we were talking about it earlier, you know, I struggled to get venues to, to mm. hold classes. So, you know, I can only do certain times of the week. So, yeah. and people want to train with me. So, so generally, what I, what, and how I've developed that online course is that they have, things that they do each week so it's not just about training I try and make it real for them you know how are they going to put that into their everyday home because I think the most fundamental thing with dogs is that dogs should have manners and that's not because I'm a pack dog trainer or anything like that so I train people that their dogs should sit and wait by a front door not because they've got to go out the front door first because they're the pack leader, but because yeah. actually it's just a little bit of a mark of respect that a dog can sit and wait mm. and for safety so that the dog doesn't run in the street. So that's why I developed that, that course yeah. first. Um, yeah. So, and I really, really believe in it. And how long has it been out now? <sighs> Two or three weeks. Two or three weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. About three weeks. I think Good. it was. Yeah. So. And there's more to come. There is more to come. So I wanted to get all my classes on. So I did, I run my class in bronze, silver and gold. So eventually I am going to get them all mm. on there. I sometimes have people that drop out of bronze classes around summer holidays time that want to carry on. So I'm going to, gold is a lot more different because they're going to have to do a lot more videoing and, yeah. and that sort of thing. But because I wanted, I was getting a lot of behavior visits from, from people with more aggressive dogs and people were saying to me, I've got a reactive dog. Yeah. Okay what is a reactive dog mm. and people's perceptions of the fact that they've got a, a reactive dog actually the dog just barks a bit which is quite normal right and um, so i wanted to do our seminar that we did yeah. um i wanted to put that in an online package and i've done that in a much more fun way and it's more of an inf- information course as opposed to go out and do course although yeah. i do guide people i'm saying and that's coming out black friday Black Monday. Friday. Monday, Friday, Black Friday, Friday, Black Cyber Friday. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Confuses the hell out of all Black of us. Friday. Yeah, that's coming out on a Black Friday offer. So Brilliant. Yeah. Good. And that's not far either. No, twenty ninth of twenty ninth of November. We're both looking I at think. Olivia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Somebody yeah. give us that information. Good. So let's give people some take hands. We'll try our best to do some sort of quick fire type thing. To me. Am yeah. I um, I'm on <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> people are going to want to know. shouldn't have put that there. That, that pig is there, actually, because we did a competition um, oh. of Guess the Tune with the Pig. Oh, you did. You did. I yeah. failed. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we had more fun than anyone Probably, else did, to be yeah, honest. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's give people some some. So you're going to quick fire me. We're going to quick fire to a certain degree. Okay. But both of us tend to ramble on a little bit. So <laughs> let's see how this goes. Right. Um, Stuff we've been over before. So a fussy dog, does it exist? Eating. Yeah. Probably. Okay. 
I disagree. I kept that short, yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, I think fussy dogs are made. I don't think they're born. Right. So they become fussy dogs because people offer too much. Unless food. there's an illness, I'm guessing a dog would yeah, always want to eat. Yes. Yeah, it's wrong for us to generalise. But mm. in general, no, there is no such thing as a fussy dog. People just offer too many choices. Right. Okay. Is every dog fixable? And I think you know what I mean. I no. hope I'm clear on that. Okay. Every dog isn't fixable. No, okay. Sadly. And people shouldn't beat themselves up about that. No, but people do need to be honest with themselves. So lots and lots of people um, give up too easily, mm-hmm. if I'm completely honest. Um, I think giving a, a realistic time frame is always a good thing, but work with a professional in, in that time frame. Admit that you need help. Admit that you need to take ownership of the problem. Mm-hmm. I think, sadly, in the last 18 months... I've worked with clients and we've ended up, the dogs had to be destroyed mm-hmm. um, and it's quite sad and it's quite rare. So every dog isn't yeah. fixable. There are behaviour issues. What we're seeing is a lot more breeding problems. Mm-hmm. Really, really, there's the overbreeding problem yeah. is getting out of control. You know, I'm seeing yeah. a lot more aggressive dogs. However, that doesn't give people an excuse not to work with their dogs. So no, not every dog is fixable. Mm-hmm. Um when I naively, when I started, I used to think that every yeah. dog was fixable. It's not. It's, it, it it's really a nice isn't. thought. It is a nice thought. Some dogs are better off out of the environment that they're in. Yeah. You know, um, but I don't want to give that to your listeners as an excuse not to try and fix mm. the problem. You know, you take on a dog, it's your responsibility. Don't think that you should know everything. Mm. Because you don't. If you need help, it's okay to say, I need help. And we hear about that all the time in mental health. Mm. But it's the same with our dogs. It is all right. Even us trainers, we feed off of other trainers. You know, we bounce ideas. We are not walking encyclopedias. So people should not be frightened of asking for help, Mm -hmm. you know. so Okay. Um, A lot of pressure on people to get rescue dogs as opposed to puppies. Is that right for everybody? No. Because I'm going to get slapped for that one, aren't I? Um, no, I don't think you should actually. Because I, I'm with you now. The interesting thing, and I'm happy to say this, even if people slap me as well. <laughs> we'll get uh, slapped down together. Yeah. So I haven't got a dog at the moment, right? Um, partly because my son's 18 months old, my mm-hmm. daughter's eight years old, and it just I want to be absolutely certain it's going to fit in with our lifestyle. Obviously, mm-hmm. I run two businesses, very busy, etc. I'm worried about taking that puppy experience away from my daughter. I don't know whether that's selfish, but... I don't think it's selfish. So, again, you know, let's talk about me being real. There are hundreds of dogs in rescues. Mm. Um, I think... Let's let's talk about rescue dogs first, Mm. all right? We have a huge issue in this country with dogs coming in from other countries. Um, I struggle with it. I really do struggle with it. We have enough rescue dogs in our country. Why, you know, and and to be fair, it's us trainers and and some of the clinical behaviourists that are forced to try and work with these dogs. Yeah. And you're talking about street dogs that have lived on the street for four years, Mm. happily. You know, that they don't know another life. Yes, some of them may look skinnier than our dogs. Some of them may not have their food out of a bowl and blankets and Mm -hmm. everything else. They don't need it. They don't need it for survival. So then when they come back into 
our country, mm-hmm. people then try and and take that on, and it's tough. It's yeah. really really tough. I can't read some of these dogs. Mm. I don't mind admitting it. I yeah. cannot. I look at these dogs and I work with owners, and I'm really honest with people. You know, um, and there, there are probably trainers out there that who are much better at it than I am. And mm-hmm. um, but some of them I do struggle. I've worked with some that have been brilliant. But yeah. so so there is a huge rescue problem. Rescues say no for a reason, yeah. you know. So very often somebody will have the idea that they want to rescue a dog and they've been turned down by a rescue. Mm. That's that's a good thing. That's a responsible rescue centre. Yeah. You'll always get the same as puppy breeders. You'll always get the rescue centres that's out there trying to make money mm. and they're not in it for the dog. And, and I don't care what anyone says, these people exist. So the desperate people that really want to say, you know, the pressure, you've got to rescue a dog, you've got to rescue a dog, will then go underground and mm. then they'll go and try and find these people. And and I have worked with people that have been turned down by every other rescue and then they've got yeah. a dog that's completely unsuitable. You know, mm. Rescues generally are a rescue for a reason yeah um you know so they don't come without problems and not everybody is aware they to be i rescued my dog i know we're going to talk about that at a separate place um she taught me a lot it was probably the most difficult journey i've ever been on and that was why when i got kip i went to get a puppy Mm. No, I didn't want to do the whole rescue thing again i wanted that blank canvas i wanted to get it right and i wanted yeah, yeah, I just I was just done with it. So I don't think it's selfish. Um I think something's got to happen much higher than us, government wise, mm. with breeding and all sorts, because breeding is getting out of control. Mm. Aggression is going with that. So yeah. because of that, we've got poor we've got poor crosses, you've got poor somebody said to me the other day, um, and I am gonna say it, it was a cockapoo. They bought a cockapoo for eighteen hundred pounds. Really? Yeah. £1,800 for a cockapoo. And then I was talking to a lady from Sweden, Mm. Sweden or Switzerland, who said there's a law over there that for crossbreed dogs, you're not allowed to pay more than pedigrees. Really? What a great rule. Yeah. Yeah. So It's interesting, actually, because we're in the process of starting a breeder scheme. Okay. um, To help get Mm -hmm. better food into the system. Yes. Effectively. Um, and along with training as exactly. well, exactly. Yeah. And there's no doubt um, that we wouldn't be looking at it if it didn't have a sound business mm-hmm. sense behind mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. hiding no, that fact. No. Uh, so one of the ways of checking whether uh, how to judge whether these are genuine breeders is to go on the licensed breeder page. Um, really? And South End, there's free licensed breeders. Yeah. Now you're not telling me there is only free dog breeders no. in no, South End. No. And I know people that that breed for money. Yeah, yeah. lots of people breed for hmm. money. And and again, you know, I'm not judgmental of people. You know, I'm more worried about people that go and rent homes, hmm. and the whole purpose of renting that house is to sell puppies. Hmm. And these puppies are coming in bucket loads. Yeah. Literally, I, when I was looking for Kit, I'm going back four years. Um, I. The trouble is people say don't look on the selling sites for mm. puppies, right? Lots of people use the selling sites. Lots of genuine people mm. use selling sites. So yeah. what I did was I sat and watched the selling sites for about six months. Right. Um, and if you sit and watch these things, you get the same people. And you also, if you if you look at the puppies, and particularly in Norfolk, and I don't know why Norfolk, it was probably just at the time, I'm not mm. saying anything bad no. about Norfolk, but there was a group of puppies that was advertised with three different people. And... Right. 
I went, so I went, I was quite ruthless when mm. I went looking for Kip. He, um, I didn't look at the puppies at all. Otherwise mm. I would end up taking all the puppies home. Of course. Um, I looked at the mother and father and there was one that I went to that was on a farm. The mother was still bleeding. You know, she was selling these puppies as eight or nine weeks old. Mm. Barely had their eyes open. Yeah. Um, I would guarantee that if anyone got one of those puppies, they would have probably been dead quite quickly if they wouldn't have been dead they would have had lots of feed problems and everything else and it is really really common and it's i think it's the fastest growing business and i've got no facts and figures on that Mm. but my job has got massively bigger Mm. over the last few probably even in the last six months and we see a lot more dog trainers than we ever used to and they wouldn't be able to be dog trainers if there wasn't more dogs that needed training no no definitely not you're absolutely right you know so again, that's a really another different story. You know, lots mm. of people, again, I think it's something that needs to be licensed. So I'm yeah. actually making, um, I've listed the, the mm. club with the kennel club. Um, I'm actually, I've been sitting on the fence myself mm-hmm. on which governing body to go with, because yeah. again, anybody can start up a governing body. So, um, you know, we're going down the lines with all our trainers, but lots of dog walkers become trainers. Mm. And, and the thing, the one thing that frightens me is that there are, uneducated and I don't mean uneducated people in general but uneducated on subject matter mm. um giving advice yeah and that's quite frightening um the reason I I agree to do these podcasts and I want to get my I do my little videos online and yeah. I'm doing loads of social media stuff is I can't educate everybody no you know so the more we can get it out there that actually you know we need to be doing something that I see more aggressive dogs than ever before yeah. I think we've gone off kilt a little bit but yes well, not, so don't not be very, selfish not very quick fire anymore no it wasn't <laughs> don't be selfish you know if, yeah. if that's what you want to do don't think you're being selfish no, no. definitely not no and actually circle back very very slightly I think you'd agree and mm-hmm. disagree mm-hmm. if not I will Breeders that do it for money doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad breeder. No, definitely you can not. Do I'm this... a dog trainer for money. Exactly. Yeah. So we're not saying no, that if you're breeding be- because you want to make that your living, there's nothing wrong with no, that. Definitely if you're doing not. it properly, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah no, I agree with that. Definitely. And lastly, where can people find out more about you? On my website. Okay, um, which is? Essex Dog, www.essexdogtraining.co.uk. And you're on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. Probably should be on Twitter. But, <laughs> yeah, Instagram and Facebook and my website are the best places. Brilliant. So. Excellent. Thank you for joining us, Emma. No problem. So that was our meeting and our interview with Emma from S6 Dog Training. Um, and I always enjoy talking to Emma um, and I always pick up something slightly different. And I like her approach, as you heard in the in the interview, I like her approach to things. She readily admits she's not expert in absolutely every aspect of dog training. And we're the same with, with dog food. We know a huge amount, but we don't know absolutely everything. And I think there's always a danger when someone says they know absolutely everything about anything. It always strikes me they probably don't know as much as they think they do. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we really enjoyed uh, recording it. Um, like I said, learnt a lot. And please do get in touch. We're always looking for stories to do with dogs. Something 
that people maybe could learn from as well. Um, we're happy to feature yourself on the podcast or send us a message on Facebook, on, on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, pretty much everywhere. If you've got any food issues with your dog, get in touch. We can help either over the phone or you can come into the store. See you soon. <laughs>